Hey everybody, uh, real quick before we get started, this is your host Keith, and you're going to hear a blast from the past as far as we're concerned here at Quest for Truth. This is a request episode number 93, recorded early in December in 2016. At that time, we had three co-hosts, myself, Nathan Caldwell, and my son, Chris, also known as the Wild Moose. Long story, ask me later. I did snip off the end because we have some old contact info, but this will be as we sounded from the beginning downbeat of our theme music all the way to the end. So I'll be listening to it uh, all over again myself, enjoying it just right along with you or maybe cringing right along with you. Um, Anyway, without any further ado, uh, enjoy this blast from the past from 2016. Helpsley Podcast Network, HPN, in conjunction with Protectors of the Book, presents Quest for Truth, seeking the truth about God, faith, and the Bible. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Helpsley, Keith Helpsley, and Nathan Caldwell. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Keith, and welcome back to Quest for Truth, where we seek the truth about God, faith, and the Bible. Episode 93 is what we're up to today. And insert applause. Uh, Getting up there. Uh, Of course, we're past uh, Thanksgiving, and we want to talk about Christmas. We'll talk about that later. Uh, to get things going, of course, you heard a little bit from our uh, glorious co-hosts from the far reaches of uh, reality in western Arkansas. We have Nathan. Our other co-host uh, from not his man cave, who's actually here at Church House Studios, but due to recording uh, issues this morning, he's actually back down in the dungeon uh, recording from down there. It's me, Chris. Wow. Uh, but anyhow, we are back. Uh, we had our solo episode last week. Hope people enjoyed that. Uh, before that, we were in the studios. And here we are again today. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, I, I was looking for notes that I knew I had, but I couldn't find them when we recorded last time. There's a, a concept I wanted to ask you about. It, would you say that there are any universal truths in the Bible? If I understand the question right, absolutely. Now, would you say there are uh, a large number or a small number? Before you answer, let me put this in a little context. Okay. Is, you know, we, of course, there's all, all sorts of truths in the Bible, but... What's true in one place in the Bible isn't always true in another place in the Bible. In other words, it's all about context. Because if you take, oh look, it's true that God is going to uh, defeat the enemies and fight the battle for us. We're going to take our swords and shields and go out there and push the enemy out of our our lands. That does. That's not a blanket free reign that every time we want something, we just take our swords and shields and go out and conquer it. And that's what I mean. It, it's true, but it's true only in that context. 
there's times where we're told to uh, uh, to love. There's times we're told to you know resist or to be you know wily as serpents and innocent as doves. How can you be both? So, uh, is there any universal truths that would apply no matter where you are or no matter what your life circumstance would be? Absolutely. Uh, when you're talking a special salvation, uh, the, the way to salvation is universal. Jesus said, I am the one, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. That is a universal truth. Um, Romans ten thirteen says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall say, That is a universal truth. If anybody repents of their sin and turns to Jesus Christ in faith for salvation, they will be accepted by God. Jesus said, If anyone comes to me, well, first he said, No one comes to me unless the Father draw him, but anyone comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Those are universal truths. And no, they're not the only ones in the Bible. Um, for the person who is already saved, for example, there is the truth of if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, of course, is 1 John 1, verse 9. There are universal truths. Yes, you do have to give, uh, excuse me, that you have to deal with the context. Like you said, there are certain promises in the Bible that were given to specific people. And that means that it wasn't necessarily given to you unless you happen to be that specific person or one of those specific people. But there are also things in the Bible um, that are universally true. Things in the Bible that pertain to anyone who fits in that certain context. For example... He that believes on the Son is not condemned. He that believes not the Son is condemned already, but because he has not believed on the only begotten Son of God. I believe that's in John 3. The principle definitely is. And so there is a universal truth. Now it is contextual. It is two different facts that pertain to whether you believe or whether you do not believe. But that is universally true. Those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation, repenting of their sins, universally are going to go to heaven. Those who do not, universally are not. Somehow I thought that would get you riled up. <laughs> it, oh, yeah, it, you know. And, and that, but that is exactly right. That is the salvation message is one of those things that no matter what your stage in life is, it is true. It's true all the time. Uh, you know, the, the reality of sin is true all the time. Uh, there's There sometimes can be a lot of gray areas, a lot of personal preference areas. Uh, I forget what inspired me to write that statement down. I don't have the context of it. All I remember is uh, that there are are a few uh, universal truths, but the salvation message is definitely one of them. Uh, And I, I guess I wanted to point that out because sometimes people get bent out of shape with legalism. And, you know, if you don't do it, the way my denomination does it, then you're a heretic and you're going to hell or, I don't know, just some crazy junk like that. There's always somebody taking something out of context 
and make you go overboard with that. You know? Well, let me let me share something with you. Uh, Is it cookies? Because just ooh, cookies. Just because somebody <laughs> um, takes something out of context does not make what the original context states not to be a universal truth. Does that make sense, or is that all blurred? Right. Let me, let me give you an example. I was, I was trying to, to wreck my living brain cell to, to come up with. <laughs> um, the, the Sabbath day. It, it's in the Ten Commandments. Keep it holy. Thou shalt keep it holy. That is true. However, given the context, it, it also clearly says if you have an animal that's out and it's in trouble, you go out and rescue it. Right. Okay. Right. So you, you, you take that truth, and it's universal, but there are contexts where it's okay if you have to do this work. Because uh, it's, it's not about, I must 100% not do work. I must not 100% you know, avoid whatever. To me, I always interpret the Sabbath day as whatever you can find to do that brings you relaxation, to rest your mind, to take you away from your normal daily thing, then you're you're resting, you're relaxing, you're not stressed out, you're not having to freak out about stuff. But that's that's just an example of context where it it applies in one case, but on the other hand, you know. You also need to know who was he talking to when he gave those commandments. And of course there were many, many more commandments that he gave that definitely just pertain to that particular people. Now, I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments in that case. I'm talking about the, what, 300 and something or so that... that yeah, I think somebody uh, counted up, and there's, there's like over 600 Old Testament commands of what to do and not to do, things like that. Um, anyway, um, I just wanted to... to kind of open up with that to kind of get the ball rolling. Uh, something that I discovered, uh, wow, just within the last couple of weeks, and I was really wanting to bring it up last week when we, we didn't quite get the chance to record, is it always surprises me what the uh, the LGB community comes up with next. <laughs> and I think I may have heard this listening to an episode of Grade Cocal. Uh, either that or it was in one of my uh, email lists. But you know how many initials they have now instead of just LGB? <laughs> uh, there's one after Q, I think, now? Yeah, it's like LGBTQ+. And if you look at I, I actually searched for that on the web, which, which I don't have the reference handy, but it's like after Q, it's like P I. And it just keeps on going, and it's like, you know, why don't you just say the is alphabet all mixed up, you know? <laughs> is one of them polygamous? You know, I don't think so. P, I wonder. P is, <laughs> see, and here's what I, 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 I'm going from memory here. Let, let me just go to the step to the list here. L is, you know, lesbian, it's, you know, two girls like each other, gay. It's for some reason, the masculine version of that. I don't know why there has to be a distinction. It's all the same. Uh, B is for bisexual. That means, hey, I'm a dude, and sometimes I like guys, sometimes I like girls. Uh, the T means 
you know, whatever sex you are, or you just like dressing up in other other people's clothes. Uh, what's, what's next? Uh, uh, Q. Uh, and this is for real. It says sometimes you can call it queer. I thought, oh yeah, they're bringing back the word queer. Yay! <laughs> but but it also means questioning. You're questioning your sexuality. Uh, then after that, the, the P means pansexual. It's like, wait a minute, how is pan different from bi? I don't understand. Oh, crap. You're talking about animals now, aren't we? You know, that no. crossed my mind. No, pan, also. the way I understand it is sometimes you feel like that sometimes you don't sometimes you feel like you're a guy sometimes you feel like you're a girl and whenever you're a guy maybe you like guys or girls whenever you're a girl maybe you like guys or girls in other words you're just constantly toggling back and forth and it's but the the list of acronyms goes on and it's it's just so amazing to me all these Definitions of the way people identify themselves. I have often heard. I thought maybe it was. I thought maybe it had something to do with cookware, also. Oh dear. I have. I don't know what that is. Heard. You know, pots, pans. I have often heard Christian teachers like Greg Kokel um, say that these people need compassion because, and and I can kind of see it, especially when you talk about the pan. When stuff is always in flux, and that's a confusing way to live, and I can just imagine the the pain they go through. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, I halfway joke about it, uh, but it, it, it it's a serious thing. I mean, to somebody who doesn't have it, it's like I don't get it. But if you're in that position, it's a serious thing for you. But whatever, whatever I. Uh, take away from all this every time I hear about this kind of thing or whenever I look at it on the web and it's like just what do all these acronyms mean it's like what I I see is it's not a sexual problem it's not a a uh, what you were (coughs) assigned as if the doctor decided oh look at this one Uh, let's call this one boy let's call this one a girl no it's kind of evident uh, there are rare cases where somebody is you know, got a birth defect and it's not clear that that does happen. It's, it's but that's called a birth defect. Uh, but by and large, you know, ninety nine point ninety nine to how many nines you want to go, I don't know. People are born one way or the other, and all this other stuff comes in because there's mental instabilities. And that's, that's where the help needs to come from. People who are facing these ordeals, they don't need to have sex education. They need to have a psychologist education. <laughs> they need to be accepted for what they are, but they also need to know that uh, it's not a physical matter. It's a uh, a mental matter, you know, that to work through. And it used to be in the catalog of diagnosis that used to be included in those diagnoses until they decided to be politically correct and change that now i'm telling you politic being politically correct doesn't change genuinely whether or not something is a disease or is a um abnormality you might say um that does not change 
just because you stop putting it in the book does not mean it's still it it suddenly becomes normal. It, it, that doesn't mean the person isn't to be um, given compassion and even love, but it does mean that they need help. And so many people now refuse to give them help, outlaw giving them help, and, 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 and different situations like that, where you're not being compassionate to those people as you claim you're being, you're, being, you're denying these people the help that they truly need. Yep, and uh, not to dwell too much on that, I was just want to point out. Really, I was just amazed that they keep adding acronyms on to to greatly define uh, a, a small percentage of the population, and they and it's like. You know, I, I get it. There's people out there that have these problems, and and I feel it for you. I mean, I I, I really do if it comes down to it. But uh, I, I just find it interesting that it's such a small percentage has this big, huge, long <laughs> collection of ways and variants to define their own particular little niche of who they are. But anyway. It's interesting there's no S in the group. Um of letters mm-hmm. um, if they really why is unity, that? why don't they put everybody together but they're not um, you're not wanting equal rights if you wanted equal rights you would put would you not put all the numbers together you're wanting special privileges and maybe I'm being wrong in this maybe but that's the way it seems to me if you wanted equal rights then you would lump everyone together but it's that's a good point. It's just crazy stuff, crazy. And and again, we're not talking about hate. We're we're more talking about uh, reasoning out a situation. Um, that when some one person claims one way, is it really the way they claim, or is it actually a different thing that they aren't claiming? But it's actually the case. And really, this is called Quest for Truth. Maybe you need listeners, maybe they need to do their own research and find that out for themselves. Yep. Well, moving on with Quest for Truth, um, I don't really have any uh, or standby uh Additional things to do segments like, uh, and we need to bring back uh, the dumb news segment one of these days and get back to some of that. Uh, but I don't have anything, so let's go ahead and move into our topic. Main topic. The, the transition since we're talking about uh, these issues, uh, the, the the Bible clearly. Uh, talks about various behaviors that people do as and it calls them this word nobody likes to hear it's called sin <laughs> uh, and uh, there, there's no way to point fingers because all of us are in that category it's just what right. sin do you do what's your pet sin that you have a hard time releasing and we uh, all have one yep yeah and or two uh, or three Yeah, (laughs) whether it's something as uh, out there in in the media as this, 
uh, there's always something. And it, whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe the Bible is the, uh, the authority to uh, gauge all of your ethics and morality by, even people who are relativists realize that at some point there's a line drawn and there is something we call sin. There is something out there called evil. And it's it's undeniable. No matter, I mean, just about everybody has some line that they re- recognize that a, a a misdeed has been done. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that everybody has a line? It may not be the same line, but that everybody has a line that 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 they go this and no farther. Um. And they want people to respect their lines, but they aren't willing to respect other people's lines. And, you know, if if the lines are, as some claim, relative, then why are you arguing about your line? So are the lines relative, or is there really a genuine truth somewhere that you can go back to and say this is where the line really is well I mention that because um, when it comes to salvation and evil there needs to be an answer for that I mean no matter uh, one person I was talking to their comment was "Well, who gets to decide What's wrong and what's right? You know, I think it's right for me to do this, or you think it's not right to do that. But who gets to decide what that right and wrong is? And, you know, if it was left up to me, my bar would probably be pretty low. Well, here's the thing. If we're going to be absolutely fair, Keith, then if, if, I, if, I, if I'm to say you can't make that line, then I can't make it either. So, and, 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 and by contrast, if I am to say I make the lines of who's right and wrong, then I make myself God. And if, then if I say I make the lines, then why am I also saying you make your own lines? No, if I make the lines, if I'm willing to fight for these lines, then I'm saying I'm the one that makes them. Even, even I might say something else, but that's what I'm truly saying. Does that make sense? I believe there's a proverb that says uh, a man thinks his own way is right. Or what's that? Uh, I got it. I got it. You know what I mean? Proverbs. It's Proverbs 14:12, and it says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Right. And the way I, I would also uh, interpret that verse is a way that seems right to a man is every way to any given man seems right to that given person. That's right. Everything I decide, I don't see why this is wrong. I like doing that. I like to drink that, or I like to eat that, or I like to... It it can't be right because I like to do it. But if you stick strictly to that, those are ways that lead to death. Right, right. Isn't that why God allows people to be leaders of nations is to make the lines 
for people to not cross. I mean, that would be a good point people. because uh, I think what you're trying to get to is that you know God raises up leaders, governmental leaders, whether they're uh, godly or not godly. Well, let me ask you another question. And when God raises up leaders, does he raise up leaders to make the rules? Or does he make up leaders, make up, sorry, raise up leaders to enforce the rules that he gave? And I think that if you look at Romans 13, you're going to find that really and truly the leader is supposed to enforce the rules that God gave. And God just puts them in place to keep order and to make sure that right is done. But who ultimately determines right, that's God. Right. And, and I think that's where uh, even people like you know, secular humanists who say well, people are just basically good. You know what? People are basically good because they get that goodness as part of the fingerprints of the God who made them. Uh, now, the, re- the reality is that people drop the ball a lot. Uh, and getting back to the fact of that is, <clears throat> regardless of whether you think you dropped the ball or not, eventually there's some point where you recognize something is good, something is bad. Something is right, something's wrong. And the problem about that is we can't solve that problem on our own. In fact, if we can sit down and say, well, I think it's wrong for me to, uh, uh, you know, uh, steal something well at some point in your life you're going to be faced with the problem of you know uh, I stole something there I broke my own rule and you know if you're honest about it you might have to dig around but you'll find something at some point that you stole uh, even, even if it's cheating on your taxes or swiping office supplies at work there's always petty little things but stealing is still stealing it's not you know the degree of stealing it's still theft but the answer to that is uh in the old testament days you know god outlined all this set of laws how to behave and how to obey authority he set out sacrifices which it wasn't the sacrifice that did anything it was just a reminder that we can't fix it by ourselves. uh but whenever the time was right God did something in a special way. And if we look at Matthew, uh, the first chapter, starting at verse 18, uh, we find out exactly what it is special that God did. Whoop. Uh, you want me to read that? Here. I got yeah, it. just that one verse. Because, I mean, we could go f- further, but I just want to kind of fixate on this one verse. Chris, you can read it. Yeah, I think it's this on this page here. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this, hold on a sec, on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So... So, Mary was kind of engaged to Joseph. I think it was a little stronger than that. 
back then. I think it was a little more... Espouse was the King James word. Betrothal is how some versions put it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or she was engaged to... Uh, those are all words that mean kind of the same. They hadn't done anything. Um, but yet she was now having this... this she was... You know, she's pregnant with a child, but this child was special. It was a child that the Holy Ghost or God's Holy Spirit put in there. Doesn't mean we understand it. That's just what the Bible says, so I go with it. But that's what's... that's Because, man, King James can really make it sound odd, so I just wanted to clarify. Hey, Chris, right under the, that uh, verse there is, is some notes where it's the phrase, and now the birth... Uh, there's a reference that, that goes hand-to-hand -hand with that. Did you want to read the whole thing, or did you just kind of look at it and summarize in your own words? There's a parallel passage that talks about the birth of Jesus. That be Luke and what, 127? And Luke 127 through 38 is the exact passage. It's kind of a little bit longer of a passage, but it, it's a parallel thing that's happening here. Um, just focusing on the point of the birth here in Matthew, it just says, you know, the birth of Jesus. And then it says, it mentions the, the other key players here, Mary and Joseph. And it mentions their, their situation. But did you want to look at that and, and, and see what's happening in Luke 1, 27 through 38? Angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and will call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 34 says, Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost will come on you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And so we have, getting back to Matthew 118, a pretty common everyday thing. A man and a woman, they're going to get married, they're going to have a baby, someone's being born. These are all common everyday things. But whenever we look at Luke, we find out that it's not a common everyday thing. Because in Luke there, that passage reveals that, uh, yeah, Mary was engaged. They weren't fully married yet. That she's having a baby. That would imply that they were up to no good together, you know, jumping in the bed together. But 
there is this instance with this angel that uh, Mary experienced because she's like, how can I have a baby? I've never been with a man before. The angel lays it on the line. A special thing is going to happen. The Holy Spirit will intervene. Now, if we look later at Matthew 1, which we're not going to do, uh, Joseph also experienced uh, an event with an angel. And so it's not just Mary, oh, uh, I'm making this up because I'm trying to cover up uh, a pregnancy. No, no. Uh, Both people experienced this on their own, separately, in their own places. They both were struggling with their own ordeal in their own way. Joseph, in the next verse or so, was going to divorce her quietly uh, to get rid of her before the angel encountered with him. So this is, the the point I want to get to is this is clearly a special thing, God himself intervening to make this happen. So an everyday event is taken, and because God intervened in a special way, that this birth is not a typical birth. It is the most unique birth ever in the history of man. That's right. As a matter of fact, the angel called him. Now, now in in Matthew, we are mentioned. Uh, we are we are seen, and even verse eighteen, we see the Holy Ghost mentioned. But in Luke, we see it a little deeper, where even the child is considered holy. And also, the Son of God. Right. And, you know, this is all for a purpose. And the purpose, uh, there's a reference here I have that Chris can look at and see. It's in Genesis 3.15, which really is the very, very first uh, prediction that Jesus was going to come. I got this. It says... Well, it's easy because it's all on one page, but, you know. (laughs) But it's also one verse. I can read it just fine. But it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Hold on. I need to look that up. I think that would be, uh, and the whenever God's talking to the snaky thing. Nope, that's right. The, yep, the that's serpenty right. dude. All right, it's after right. the uh, the fall, and God is dispensing punishments, but at the same time, He's dispensing punishments. He's making this prediction that there is a way out uh, of this sin that you guys have done, and it will come from the seed of the woman. And you know, wait, wait, wait! Uh-huh. The seed of the woman. That's what it says. But, but any other time you see seed, it's talking about a man, isn't it? Because because the woman doesn't have seed, does she? Well, as far as uh, the Hebrew biblical language goes, you no, know, she doesn't. Uh, the the so seed is is the instance. is the men's part, and that, yeah, again, that points to the special birth, the special instance, and the purpose is this enmity, this strife, the struggle uh, between uh, doing wrong and doing right will at this point in Genesis it will come uh, a day when this 
you know, it happens. And clearly, at uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus' birth, that was the day when the time was right. Also of note, which is more dangerous a wound? A bruise to the head or a bruise to the heel? You know, a bruise to the heel hurts to walk, but man, if I'm hitting the head... Ouch. There's a lot of imagery there that we can discuss for a little while. And I, I love that verse just because of uh, that phrase of, of striking at the heel and striking the head. Now, in Job 14, it says, For who can bring an unclean or bring a clean thing out of an unclean thing? Nobody. Uh, now, that means nobody, no person can make something clean that's not clean. But we're not talking about personal. This is the Holy Spirit making Correct. this clean thing out of the unclean thing yeah has a personality but isn't a man it's a holy spirit of god it's god and we've already been told have we not that with god all things are possible you know this is for whatever reason god saw that that time in history was the right time to move and make this happen that uh, you know i i tell you something the more you look at history and did God see that that was the right time in history or did God route history to bring that time about and I really think it's the latter for the most part I really think that all this stuff working together God had to have a hand in that I mean you have for even example the, the, the Greek language of, of Koine which was the common man's language for once finally the common man could, could read and write in a language and that's the language that this New Testament was written in after Jesus came about well I, I think that no matter how you look at it whether it's uh, it was the right time of history or whether history had reached uh, the right type of a boiling point uh, I, the, the fact that Jesus came into the world is kind of the, the, the focal point to me uh, of humanity needing to have a savior and the savior coming to do what he did <laughs> I, don't know, yep, yep. Yeah. I mean it, let's just kind of toss some ideas around well what if history leading up from adam to jesus uh, maybe the people were nicer to each other maybe the israelites uh, didn't rebel so deeply well then i might take uh, more thousands of years because Jesus wouldn't have a need to come yet. Eventually. I I mean, it's just an idea. I'm not saying. Right. Well, I guess there's a lot we don't know, but I think we can definitely see God's hand in this. Oh, yeah. It definitely is. Uh, uh, From the fact that uh, it's not just a matter of a a man and a woman having a baby before they're married. It's the fact of how that baby came about. Now, the the significance of, well, well, why couldn't a baby have come after they were married? Because uh, that way everything would have been on the up and up and everything. That's all kosher and legal. Well, then you could say, well, this is not a special baby because it was Joseph who got her pregnant. Exactly. You know, it it had had to be this way to, to prove that the virgin shall conceive. I think it says in Isaiah or maybe mistaken, but I think that's where it is. Because that was a sign that the prophets foretold. 
I know Isaiah talks a lot about the Messiah, so. Yeah, sounds right. Well, as far as Isaiah, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I do I do know enough about the book of Isaiah to know that there's an awful lot of him pointing to the hey, Chris. Uh, to the forward events. Yeah. Can you read that passage there in Galatians 4 and 5? Uh, let's see here. It's Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Yeah, I can do that real fast. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, well, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. He was born under the same yoke of the law that we were. He was just able to fulfill it perfectly. He had the same do's and don'ts as we do. Right. And I wanted to say, in the fullness of time, is what I wanted to point out there, when the time was right, God sent him. And what you're saying, he was under the law. He had to obey the same law. He had to carry the same load, live up to the same uh, Ten Commandments plus of the Old Testament. And he did that. Yeah. And taught others who would listen how to do the same. But that wasn't the only reason he came, was it, Keith? Well, again, it, it's all about uh, sin. Whatever a person out there, whether they're Christian or not, whatever you want to define sin as, the, Jesus came to be the answer to take that away. If you hold a, a very stringent Christian belief, then you you ha, you have more sins that you're aware of <laughs> that Jesus came to take away. Whether you want to uh, lower that bar, at some point you can't deny there is evil in the world and there is evil in your own life. And Jesus came to be the answer for that. Oh, did, I wanted to point out too. You know, talking about the birth of Jesus. You know what the name Jesus means, don't you? Uh, I know Emmanuel means God with us. I'm not sure about Jesus. Jesus has two parts. the The first part, the the G part, the J E, is kind of a Greek way of uh, God calling. Uh, because you have Yahweh, which is the Old Testament name of God. And you have the word Yah that's just translated uh, usually Y-A-H when you see it in the Bible. When you have names like uh, uh, Elijah or uh, Isaiah, that last I-A-H on the end of it, that means God. Isaiah means man of God, for example. And so... Jah is God. Okay, God, what's the, the S-U-S part? Uh, it means salvation. So that name literally means God saves. So this is the, the account of the birth of God saving the world. That's not what it says, the world, but this is the account where God is going to step in and save Time to hit control S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. 
I always wanted to have a T-shirt made up where it says uh, Jesus Control Plus S, Satan Control Alt Delete. Oh yeah. Or BSOD. <laughs> what B, uh, BSOD? Blue, blue screen, screen of, of death. death. Oh. You remember? You remember getting those back on oh, your I Windows remember. 95 and Windows 98 computers? Oh yes. Jump down the list, uh, Chris. If you would, to, there's a couple of verses in Hebrews I wanted to have a look at. Can you find those real quick? Oh, with uh, 7:26, Yeah, re- read both of those. All right, 7:26 reads, "For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners." And exalted above the heavens. And Hebrews 10.5 reads, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but, but a body have you prepared for me. And that's... Uh, all that's left on this page anyway (laughs) yeah i just wanted to make sure we got to those before we wrapped up off of this because those are some pretty important things that jesus came to save us how did he do that he was uh, innocent of sins he was a high priest right jesus was born quite literally to die in our place romans 5 verse 8 says that god commended his love towards us or you might even say commends his love toward us. Well, God's eternal. But anyway, how did he do that? That while we were yet sinners, and if you look at Isaiah 64, 6, it talks about our sin is very dirty. I'll just put it that way. So while we were yet in this horrible, horrible state, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God the Son, God in the flesh, according to John verses one or chapter one verses one through fourteen, he died for us. But Keith, that's not the end of the story, is it? Um no. Um I mean, he, he died for us, but it, the rest of the story is, you know, anybody could die. But he rose from death, and by doing that, he conquered death. And that's what really makes Jesus uh, more special than anybody else. What a great Savior we have. i got a, a question for you. As we're just reading this, I... It kind of struck me the last line in that uh, Hebrews verse it says something about uh, not desiring sacrifice but he had a body prepared for him uh, what do you think that means does that mean that what verse again 10-5 uh, so uh, Hebrews 10-5 because my, my, I have two thoughts on it one of course is hey he has his physical body prepared for him you know, being born of Mary but I thought, you know, the church is called the body of Christ. I wonder if that's what he's talking about. I'm going to do the wise thing, Keith, and say I do not know. 
That's a good answer because neither do I. <laughs> it was just something that occurred to me while we we're reading that. I mean, it could go either way. I mean, he, he did have a body. He was born. And the ecclesia, the body, the called out ones, you know, it, it fits. I mean, it, it could have both meetings. I know one thing. Sacrifices and offerings done by us, it wasn't going to do the job. And then, so Jesus died and he rose again. After that, there was no need for any more sacrifices. I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. But that, uh, that I think, is where I want to wrap up with this. I mean, well, we could just go on talking about uh, Jesus and salvation and stuff all day. But uh, I think we need to call it quits here. I do have one parting thought, and that is, being in the Christmas season, there's a lot of people who don't like Christmas. And I would want to ask, why do you think people don't like Christmas? Chris, you want to take this first? You mean aside from the fact that it starts right after Halloween, the shopping season? <laughs> oh, dear. Actually, but, uh, that that's a good point, uh, what I was going to come up to, but I'll, I'll let the, you finish and Nathan can talk. It's, I mean, mostly I think people get grumpy about about uh, it being, you know, commercialized and, you know, they just sort of to kind of spoil part of the whole like celebration of Christmas. I mean, it was basically a pagan holiday that was the church reappropriated to be about the birth of Jesus, which is why a lot of Christmas symbology, like stuff that's, from the, uh, the pagan holidays of the inner winter solstice or whatever it was. And so that's why you have like uh, Christmas trees and tinsel and, and like Yule, because it's pretty much basically like, oh, hey, let's have a party. It's the end of the right. year. And so you're saying that all the, the trappings, the tinsel and the, tra- the trappings, I mean, people make, make it hate it so much. Uh, maybe I mean I, it's hard to say. I, some people are just Scrooges. That's all there is to it. But Scrooges, <laughs> yeah, Scrooges. <laughs> what? Exactly. They just kind of miss. It's like maybe they. Uh, to be fair, most people don't even know about a lot of the origin origins of Christmas. Anyway, uh, the ones that do kind of go what does Jesus have to do with any of it? It's like, it's just really Christmas is just a day to say, you know what? There's already, you know, why not just go ahead and celebrate the birth of our savior on this day? <laughs> you know, I have no problem with it at all. I mean, because really that's, we're doing something wholesome. Well, and, I, I, mean, I think whole, you, you nailed it pretty good there. Chris is when, Whenever I hear people say, you know, I hate Christmas because blah, it, it almost always has to do with the fact of it surrounds shopping and gifts. And uh, I was a, a poor when we were a kid, so we never got nothing. Uh, all the other kids got presents, and when Santa Claus never came to my house. Well, what I hear when I people say that is you're caught up on the on the materialism. 
the, the, the holiday. And it, there is a, a, a potpourri of pagan holidays all mixed together and stirred into the pot. And what you're, what you're really trying to say you're celebrating is all the empty holidays, all the empty meaning meaningless holidays and you're not really celebrating Christmas it's, you're not making it about Jesus and the birth and the salvation you're making it more about you know, the glitz and the tinsel and stuff I mean to be fair Christmas uh, to some people I, I mean don't get me wrong it, to, to kind of get off off track a little bit more because I just so I have a chance to have more words to say to, in this one towards the end <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, Christmas, like I said, was already, there was already people celebrating stuff at the end of the year. And they just, the church had said, you know, let's use this to our advantage. And I was thinking uh, for a while there, you know, it was parties. Eventually the church kind of cracked down on wild Christmas parties and pretty much made the flat statement of you're not allowed to. Uh, church, you know, you're not allowed to be rowdy at Christmas. It's supposed to be a a thoughtful, quiet time sort of holiday or something. Eventually, it, it stopped being that again. It, you can, you know, have parties. And I was thinking, there's other other, you know, other things in, throughout the year, yeah, especially in well, spring, um, uh, where it's just sort of an excuse. There's, party, here's a concept but. too. Is I was listening to a, a different podcast. And there's people out there who are Christian prudes where bah humbug on Christmas. It's not really Christ's birthday. It, he probably was born in the spring or summertime. So we, we shouldn't celebrate it. It's, it's a Catholic thing and good little Protestants. We shouldn't do that. You know what? Who, yeah. who cares? Who cares? It, it's just, pick a day. It, it could be any day. It, December 25th is as good a day as any. So, yeah, right. Go that's, for it. Well, that's what I was roll with the punches. That's what I was thinking. I mean, that's what I kind of what I mentioned earlier is. I mean, you know, people see my go don't even realize. Well, whenever they get grouchy about it, they might not even realize. You know, that it's not even necessarily the uh, the church specifically just reappropriating holidays. They were just like we we want to celebrate the birth of Christ, but when should we do it? Why don't we just make uh, these holidays that you know these things that people are celebrating in the winter that aren't Christian and make it make it you know try and get them to celebrate the birth of Christ at the you know right. instead. And, and if you think about it, what are the the two? What's the biggest holiday in the whole year that anybody will say Christmas? I mean, it's, there's people who might not say that because of bah humbug but really think about it out of all the holidays all through the year which one has the, the, most, ones are at the-, the most hype which one has the most marketing which one has the most songs which one has the most uh, recognition i mean we don't have uh, halloween carols or fourth of july oh carols God. or or a groundhog's tree <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> right. christmas has it, it has like it is the main focus and i think you're right chris probably before the the church uh, made it christmas it was already that way and they thought what's the best thing that god has done for civilization for humanity salvation let's make that let's anchor our 
uh, salvation to them. Yeah. You know. And so, yeah, they piggyback on it. But and I would like to to add something, and then I'm going to have to go pretty pretty quick. Um, to me, and I think y'all would agree, it doesn't matter what the history of this is. It's where is my heart. If my yeah. heart is being pagan, then no, I don't need to do this. But if my heart is looking at Jesus Christ and being thankful for Jesus Christ, how will God condemn that? And that's a good way to live every day of the year. Yeah. But anyhow, um, that, I think, would be a good place to call it the show. All right. Well, and, you know, I did snip off the ending. We uh, did. We used to have a chat room, and Nathan was getting ready to tell people about how to join the chat room. Well, we could do that again if, if folks really wanted us to. The technology is still there. I just have to fire it up again. Uh, but he, our new sign-off information with our actual podcasts and things we're using now. Well, you know what? I'll just let uh, our voice of the podcast, Anthony Russo, play us out with all the updates. So take it away, Anthony. And hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401 401- Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.